You're listening to a Sharesies podcast. It's Friday, the 25th of February. You're listening to Recap, brought to you by Sharesies. Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create financial empowerment for everyone. Here's the disclaimer. Investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. Before we start today, just letting you know that we'll be playing the full interview that I had with Greg Foran, the CEO of Air New Zealand. Greg talks about the half-year results that the company released on Thursday and a little bit about what the next six months may look like. Really looking forward to that. And just a reminder about our Recap audience survey. Let us know how you think Recap could be made even better and you'll go into the draw to win a $50 Sharesies gift. I'll put a link in the episode description. Now, as you've probably seen by now, uh, yesterday the ongoing situation between Russia and Ukraine has escalated. Since October last year, Russia has been amassing troops along the border of Ukraine. During that build-up, Russia made demands to the US and NATO to reduce the NATO presence in Eastern Europe. Russia also demanded a promise that Ukraine would not join NATO. Yesterday, the Russian President Vladimir Putin announced that he had ordered what he called a special military operation in eastern Ukraine. Missile strikes occurred in a number of cities across the country, including the capital, Kiev. And Russian forces captured the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. And according to claims by the US, they also took staff hostage. And according to the Ukrainian government, at least 57 people have died so far in the invasion. Western countries quickly condemned the attack and moved to place sanctions on Russia. In a speech, the US President Joe Biden has doubled down and authorised what he called additional strong sanctions. Biden said the sanctions were designed to limit Russia's ability to do business and be part of the global economy. they, They include cutting off and blocking Russian banks from the US financial system, as well as denying Russian companies from raising raising money in the US market. New Zealand's also imposed sanctions on Russia, including a ban on the export of goods to Russian military. They've also suspended bilateral foreign ministry engagement and instituted travel ban aimed at Russian government officials. So that brings us to the market response. How have things been moving there, Alice? In the US, after declining earlier in the week, the three main market indices actually slightly recovered overnight. The Dow, which tracks the 30 biggest and most important US companies, closed up 0.3% on Thursday after declining after declining about 5% over the past week. Then the S&P 500, which is a more general gauge for the US stock market, moved up 1.5% on Thursday after sliding earlier in the week. Uh, and finally, the Nasdaq Composite, which tracks mainly tech companies, finish up by 3.3%, although it's still down about 3.8% for the past week. And what about closer to home? What's happening with the New Zealand and the Australian stock exchanges? Uh, well, it's been a similar story. The NZX50 fell yesterday by 3.3%, and that was the biggest daily decline since March 2020, which was the start of the pandemic. Uh, but at the time of recording today, it had recovered slightly, sitting up about 1.2% for the day. 
And then over in Australia, the ASX 200 also fell 3% yesterday, uh, although today, again, at the time of recording, it was sitting up about 0.2%. So there is a bit of bumpiness in the markets at the moment. Yes, and we could see this conflict drive heightened volatility in the markets with the uncertainty of the situation. With share markets, there is always risk, um, but periods of heightened uncertainty can be uncomfortable. Um, for example, it can cause some investors to switch into what are generally considered as safer assets like cash, bonds or gold. And that's where some of that selling activity and downwards pressure uh, on the market could come from. But then there's also concerns that the conflict and sanctions could cause oil and gas prices to rise. In fact, they already have started to, and that could add to the inflation that we're already seeing off the back of the pandemic. Mm. As you say, periods of uncertainty can be uncomfortable, but remember that share markets do go up and down. But if you're investing for the long term, uh, remember you need to take a long term view. Thanks uh, for that market update, Alice. Now, you had a good chat with the Air New Zealand CEO yesterday, didn't you? Yes, I was talking to Greg Foran about the airline's half-year results that were posted on Thursday. Greg talked about the impact the last six months has had on the company, what's contributed to the financial loss that it recorded, and how they see the next six months panning out. Sounds like a really interesting chat. Shall we have a listen? Be my guest. To start us off, uh, can you tell us a little bit about how the past six months went for Air New Zealand? You know, what went on, what were the challenges and some of the highlights? It certainly has been a pretty challenging six months. And uh, I'd have to say that some of those challenges continue. You know, like any business that has a financial year that begins on the 1st of July, you start planning and forecasting what you think that year is going to look like you know, back in March and April and May. And, you know, if you cast your mind back to almost a year ago, we ended up having a, you know, a green travel path between Australia open up, I think, around about April the 19th. Rarotonga was a couple of weeks later. And then, of course, we kicked off in July with the busiest domestic, um, you know, month that we had ever had. So, you know, we pulled together our, our, our plan, our forecasts during this period almost a year ago. And at that point, Delta wasn't on the horizon and neither was Omicron. And so what we've experienced the first six months of this year is that effectively for Auckland, which is about 60% of our network, it's only really been flying four months because 118 days we were in lockdown in Auckland. The rest of the country was in lockdown for several weeks from the middle of August. International effectively hasn't been open. And thank goodness for cargo. So, um, you know, what you've seen play out actually is not unexpected. It's certainly different from what we forecasted a year ago, but not unexpected. And whilst, you know, the loss is high and, it's, and it creates its own set of challenges, I think the business has done a very good job of threading the needle between continuing to fly, keep costs down, deal with now two reasonably significant uh, variations in the COVID virus being Delta and Omicron, keep cargo operating, and of course, most importantly, keep an eye on what we've got coming over the horizon. 
but it's going to be bumpy for a while. And, you know, we've got out today and said, you know, we expect to lose over $800 million for the year. And that unfortunately reflects the fact that Omicron has seen our demand domestically fall off. We're still not flying international. We don't have a date yet on when home isolation is removed. So we've got a situation where we're dealing day to day in a difficult environment, doing well, doing the best we can. No set date on when we open, but I'm confident that give us the bumpiness that we will experience over the next, you know, I don't know, four, six, 12 months, the future is going to be great for you in New Zealand. We'll, we'll do just fine. But there is no doubt that uh, for this financial year, it's a big challenge and it will be bumpy as we reopen. I'm definitely keen to come back and touch on some of those points that you've just mentioned. Uh, But firstly, headlining the results today was a loss, uh, quite a significant loss before tax of about $376 million. Uh, You just mentioned that, you know, cargo was something that perhaps did go well for the the business, Auckland, Auckland lockdowns, something that did impact your results but what what were some of those factors that really drove that loss well you know passenger revenue was down I think about 29 percent or something along those lines during the period and and that's just reflective of the fact we just weren't flying and it wasn't because we didn't want to but we couldn't you know Auckland being in lockdown no international borders open and of course cargo during that period was significantly up um you know, uh, well over 20%. So, you know, we, we lost on, on passenger revenue, we gained on cargo. The net was still a 9% reduction in revenue. Now, during that period, we didn't get quite as much support as we'd had previously from the government in terms of wage subsidies and aviation charges reductions. And we also have to deal with the fact that things like the price of fuel's gone up. And, of course, um, we're starting to bring back some people because we're confident in time we're going to be up and running. So, you know, we'd brought back a a tranche of people to deal with the Tasman, to deal with the Cook Islands. We didn't want to bring them back and then immediately let them go literally three months later. We, We didn't think culturally that would be the right approach. So we've held on to that, and now we're looking down the track and we're saying, well, at some point, we're really going to start to open up as home isolation gets removed. We're not sure when, but it's coming. So we need to get ourselves organised. We've brought back another over 200 cabin crew, another 50 pilots and some more airport and maintenance people. So costs have gone up with labour, input costs have gone up with things like fuel. We haven't got as much subsidy and we're just fundamentally flying less with the exception of cargo. Mm, Thanks for that breakdown. Uh, Another thing I'm really keen to learn more about is Air New Zealand's cash position, you know, how much funding you have available. Because at the end of the day, for any business, cash is essential. You need it to pay bills and keep running. Uh, You know, you mentioned that Air New Zealand's costs have increased. So what does Air New Zealand's cash position look like? Well, it's pretty healthy, to be honest with you, in terms of being confident that we can keep the business going and you know a lot of credit goes to everyone in Air New Zealand uh, you know whether you're on your front line or whether you're fixing planes or whether you're in an overseas office 
And in this particular case, I'll call out the work that's happened, you know, with a lot of the finance and the legal teams, because at the end of last year, we put in place a different structure working with the government that saw us change the Crown standby facility and introduce a um, billion dollars worth of redeemable shares. And so that got us up to a $2 billion headline number. Um, you know, we've still got, um, you know, $1.4 billion worth of that sitting around. But we do expect that over the next month, that's going to change. We've been uh, paying back over the last two months, and we still have got a month to go, $100 million worth of PAYE deferral. So we've got plenty of, of money there still to, to operate. Um, but the important thing for us is to, is to move out of that structure and actually get into a, a capital raise. And our intention there is we still think timing around the end of, end of March is going to be very suitable. You know, providing market conditions don't change significantly. So that's what we're working towards. And that would see us get a capital raise underway, providing market conditions are suitable at that point. And that will be something to keep an eye out for any updates on in the market. Uh, and you mentioned before about Air New Zealand expecting to make a full year financial loss before tax of around uh, $800 million. On one hand, you know, you've got the New Zealand government outlining its plans to reopen the borders. The other, you've got the Omicron outbreak. Uh, you know, what's the outlook like for Air New Zealand with all these different factors at play? You know, how do you see that playing out? Well, as you can imagine, you know, putting a number out there of um, our loss for the year to exceed $800 million, we, we want to be very clear that uh, over the next few months, we continue to see plenty of headwind. You know, Omicron has impacted us much like it's impacted every other airline around the world. You know, customers are a bit hesitant about travelling, so we have seen during January and February a sort of 30 to 35% reduction in our domestic business. We still don't have international up and running, and for sure we've got some people coming back um, in a few days' time from Australia and then the rest of the world. But you have to be a New Zealand citizen. You still have to do a week's home isolation. So really, that's a solution for MIQ. That's not about opening borders. The government have outlined a border opening program, but they have not been specific on when home isolation ends. And that simple friction point means effectively the borders aren't open because you're not going to either leave New Zealand and come home and then have to spend a week at home or come to New Zealand for a holiday and be locked up in your hotel room for a week. So effectively, we've still got an enormous amount of friction. And that that's driven us to, as we forecast a business, to say, hey, let's be realistic here. This is going to be tough in the next six months. Now, we're already two months into it. And, you know, so we've got a sense of how that's going. So 800 million plus is is most likely to be the result for the full year, and that's why we've stated that. We do see some real light on the horizon, though, and you know we're seeing what's happening in Australia, and we're seeing what's happening in Europe, and the UK, and the US. So we know that there's a desire to travel, and so that's why we're starting to get planes back up and running. The triple seven three hundred. We're maintaining our fleet of Dreamliners. 
and we're getting ourselves prepared for a good domestic business. But I also want us to be realistic that it's not all going to suddenly come whistling back. And there'll be a number of reasons for that. You know, one is there will be some hesitancy by people that is this the end of the virus or is there a risk that I could be overseas and not able to get home again? So they're going to take a little bit of time to get used to the fact that, no, I'm, I'm going to be good to go. Um, you know, the, the other things that are going to impact us is the booking curves. People don't suddenly wake up on Monday and say, I'll tell you what, let's head over to San Francisco next week. An international trip is months in the making. And so even if you said, I'm going to open borders in May, hypothetically, um, you know, the booking curve to do an international trip is 12 months for a very good reason. It's because people plan these things a fair way out. It's quite different if you're heading to, you know, Queenstown for the weekend. You might decide to do that a week out. But even Australia has a booking curve and certainly further afield does. So we expect it to be pretty bumpy for a period of time. But the good news is it'll be bumpy in a positive fashion and will continue to grow. Thanks for that, Alice. That was awesome. And thanks to Greg Foran for his time. That was Recap for the 25th of February. Thanks so much for listening. It'd be a real help if you gave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Our email is recap at sharesies.co.nz. And you can also leave a voice message. There's a link in the episode description. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Hey, Terahina. Bye.